you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's the footballiest time of the year. With quarterbacks throwing and tailgaters ready for some brats and beer. It's the pig, pig skinniest time of the Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. We did it, everybody. Congratulations. It's football season. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com slash Shaq. S-H-E-K, Shaq, Shaq, Shaq. Oh, my God, what a painful six or eight months. I don't know how long it's been. It's been too long. Now it's time for NFL season 2014 style. Let's kibitz about it here in Studio 66. Maximum strength! And I'm pleased to say we have a little crossover here. Last week we got all the podcasts at NFL Media together. Not unlike in The Godfather, that one scene when all the heads of the families get together to figure things out. That's what we did, the Around the NFL podcast, formerly the Around the League podcast. Greg Rosenthal, College Football 24-7, Matt Money-Smith from The Fantasy Show, Akbar Bajabia-Milla. Trying to think who, who else was in there. Oh, Brian Billick from the Coaches Show, and Daniel Jeremiah, who I believe his podcast is back. It's Move the Sticks. That one's coming up for you this week. Anyway, track down. We did a big 2014 season preview. You can track it down at NFL.com and NFL.com slash now. Make sure you get the app for that. We cover it all. Get you ready for the season. But in case you aren't completely satiated before the kickoff happens here, let's give it some more about it because one of uh, one of those podcasters I mentioned before from uh, around 
the NFL. He is the host. He's just back from his maternity leave, or I guess it's paternity leave. <laughs> Stan Hanses, what's the poop, fella? Muzzle tough to you. Thank you very much, sir, and muzzle tough to yourself. Yeah, I know. We yeah. made it. Football season. The, oh, the babies. Yeah, yeah and the babies oh, yeah, the as baby well. Thing, That's yeah. also great news. And yes. it, it seems strange on Twitter that a lot of people somehow thought we were cahoots just because the children came in a, in a close uh, proximity, which seemed odd to think that. I know. Well, then that leads you to question how they think that came exactly. to where we at some – swingers type affair i don't know what they thought also we're going to dig into football here with our pal he started his life out in london england but he quickly took to the uh, to the greatest game of them all american football he now is our resident miami dolphins fan it's handsome hank hello handsome how are you i am very well indeed thank you dave yes are you uh, yeah it's exciting with football is is it's the eve of football football eve and in 152 days if you're listening to this on tuesday It'll be the Super Bowl. 152 days. And in between, days. think of the joys that await us. Football, football, and more, more football. football. Fun. Not child raising because you are the forefather to, to Hanzus and I. You gave, or your lovely wife gave birth about two months ago to your son. That is correct as well. You guys, I can tell you what you have to look forward to. Not a lot of sleep mm-hmm. and a lot of joy. <laughs> Beautiful. I uh, I took the the little man to uh, to the sea yesterday. I mm. gave him his I gave I, uh, baptism by sea. I, I as I've said before, I'll say it again to you now. The Pacific Ocean. I don't use it just to wash off the day's soils. I do it to wash off all of society's ills. You know, right. I go in the Pacific. I emerge born anew, and so I felt uh, the little man needed the, the same sort of treatment early in his life. I and think so. actually, though, when you say that you wash off man's soils, I have a feeling that when you get in and then get back out of the of the Pacific, you may have washed off some of your own soils, but you've got some other Picked people's up somebody soils else's. as well. Yeah. And I don't want to talk out of school, but two weeks old about your son, right? Right. That's where he's at. It seems a little early to take him to the ocean. It actually, there's some parallels to when Michael Jackson dangled his son over the balcony. <laughs> it seems a little, and I don't want to talk out of Riptide school again. Riptide comes yeah. along, takes exactly. him out to sea, winds up in China, next thing he as, knows. As someone that has a three-week-old now, these are tiny little creatures, completely helpless. You're taking him to the mighty ocean? Oh, I love Hanzus. He's a, he's oh, a, yeah. he's a master of parenthood now. <laughs> Three-week-old, oh, tisk tisk. That's not how you raise a young child there. I, I I know, I know all the ins and outs of it. All right, let's talk about football, something yeah. we all know about here. But real quick, who's going to have the best Who uh, of the three of us? Whose child, whose masculine uh, uh, child will be the most athletic, will be the most accomplished? I would say easily mine. You know what we should do? We should mm. figure out, because we like doing that, is looking up their respective birth dates mm-hmm. and seeing what famous people oh, were born on idea. that date. Maybe we'll do that later on. Mm. But like I say. We should put them through a combine in a year. Yes. At a year old, they like could, the we could have a baby combine. Whoa, you're on to something. That's I think I am, fun. yeah. Let's call one of these networks. There's got to be a kid-friendly network where you right. put them through a combine type thing. I don't know if that's... Uh... <laughs> I don't think that is kid-friendly, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Kid-unfriendly network. Hank's, Hank's son will dominate in cricket and uh, those type of sports. No, no, I, no. I, don't know, I don't imagine he'll do well in He's an American. He's an American. Careful what you say. He, he owns an American passport. All right, listen. He's one let's, of yours. Let's dig in here. Football season has arrived. I jump on an airplane tomorrow to travel. Uh, I'll be up. Well, all I know is this. I'm trying to figure out when, when I head up there. Either way, I'll be in Seattle one way in time for Fail Mary Part 2. And let me start this off. 
by giving you a semi-bold prediction. The Green Bay Packers are going to win that game. Now, these kickoff classics, only the Cowboys went in to Giant Stadium two years ago. The only time the home team has lost one of these kickoff classics, I think there have been nine of them, was that one two years ago. I think the Packers are going to buck the trend. Just as the Seahawks have play, have spent this offseason keeping that chip on their shoulder, maintaining it and everything else, I think the Packers are still raw as much as professional athletes can be two years removed. I think that that doesn't sit well with them, the fail Mary game, because if you look back at it, they were aware at the time that had they won that game, the way the seedings would have worked out in the playoffs and everything else would have been better for the Packers. I think they are anxious to go up there and uh, and, and right this wrong, committed by those replacement refs. Agree or no? Seahawks? I think uh, I think the Seahawks will win. I I the the I love the idea of the Packers wanting to go and right or wrong, but then all we ever hear from teams is that they put you know one game at a time and we put everything behind ourselves. So I I never quite know how that squares away with with like bearing grudges versus um not not that thinking feels, about what happened in the past. That feels like a total media narrative to me. I feel like these guys are so hyper focused one game at a time mentality, which is true the way they plan for these games that whatever happened 2 or 3 years ago is ancient history. They don't even right. think about it. I agree, but it's almost as though you're playing into the media thing like they're so hyper-focused on the here and now. I think it's more apathy. I think they let it go because it doesn't matter as much. With the fans, it gnaws at right. you. But I do think, based on conversations with a couple of Packers, they that one does stick with them more than some other it's not ones. Like, what did the Seahawks do wrong, though? It wasn't even... It's not like it would build bad blood between the teams necessarily. I know Golden Tate maybe True. reacted in a way where he shouldn't have by almost acting like he was in the right when clearly he got lucky on a bad call by some jerk referee who is now uh, peddling a book somewhere I saw recently. Get it together, buddy. But like, you know, I, I, I <laughs> How think... long is the book? I mean, what? And, yeah, then, and then I called touchdown. But then the other guy <laughs> next to me, he said incomplete. And then all the excitement began. And then two days then later, we were me. fired. Yeah. Here's how I've been spending the last two years, though. <laughs> by the by, it probably it might even be one of those uh, those bi- one of those old tricks and biographies where they open the story in the first chapter with the game and then they disappear for about fifteen right. chapters and then come back to it at the end. Then the middle is all just white pages. Yeah, well, yeah, it would be white pages <laughs> if you're going to say. I don't think anyone's sticking with it fifteen chapters <laughs> later if it wasn't. All right, so what's your pick, Anzus? Who's winning that? Well, game? it's funny you said that because I did. I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl this season. Uh, on the Around the NFL podcast last weekend. To do that, I said they were going to have the home field advantage in the NFC title game over the Seahawks. So I think they're going to probably have around the same record. So I think a tiebreaker comes into play. So I got to have the Packers winning on Sunday. They're On Thursday, rather, they're going to beat the Seattle Seahawks on the road and set their season on a great path. I, yeah, that, that's exactly why I had to pick the Packers because when you sit down and look at the schedule, the Packers kind of need to take this one if they're, I don't want to say have an unre- if they want to have a realistic shot at the Super Bowl, but they're already behind the eight ball. If you assume then the Seahawks beat them, if they have to go through, as we always talk about, never more so has home field mattered than it does right now in the NFC. If the it, because the Saints have a great shot, I would think, of winning that division this year. And the Seahawks now with the injuries to the 49ers on defense, the losses on defense, um, and Sam Bradford being out, it looks like the Seahawks are now a prohibitive favorite to take the West. So if those two teams get the top seeds in that conference, can a team like the Packers or anyone else go through both those joints and get to the Super Bowl? It seems highly unlikely. It's funny how, you know, we talk about the NFL season and 16 games and they all count so much. 
I mean, what we're, I think what we're saying here is that the, the very first game of the season for a Packers team that hasn't, you know, always performed as well as it could do in, in those big crucial moments in playoffs or whatever else, kind of have, I mean, and obviously this is hyperbole, but a sort of playoff type game in, in early September. Yeah, more or less. And um, so I, I can't wait for it. And by the way, that's the kickoff classic. We did an NFL, one of our animated speculative pieces what would have happened if one thing in football history had gone a little bit differently as you may or may not know the Bengals back in 2011 in the second round Mike Brown the owner wanted to take Colin Kaepernick but Jay Gruden the offensive coordinator at the time said no no this kid Andy Dalton fits our system a little bit better so uh so they took Dalton what if they would have taken Kaepernick well Part of uh, what happens is that the game wouldn't be played in Seattle this uh, this Thursday night, and that's all I'll say about that. Go to NFL.com, and you can track it down. A lot of great uh, – if you're a fan of 80s and 90s wrestling stuff, there's a lot of great old-time wrestling stuff, including a Paul Bearer cameo, which I did not see coming. And, and, and Aaron Rodgers is a member of uh, the Game of Thrones cast. Yeah, yeah. White Walkers appear. I think right. Drew Brees is one of the he White Walkers. He is a White Walker, yeah. Uh, if we can go back to the Packers for one second, I'm just looking at their schedule. They have a Week 9 bye. They open at Seattle, very tough game. At New Orleans in Week 8, obviously very tough. In the middle, home to Jets, at Lions, at Bears, home to Vikings, at Dolphins, at Panthers, or home to Panthers. I think if they can even split those one of those two bookend games that are very difficult, they're going to be in very good shape, six and two, seven and one type situation heading into that bye. Well, yeah, that's you have to look at these schedules, and we all sat down a week ago, and again at NFL.com, you can see everybody's predictions for um, you know who's going to the playoffs and uh, the way they'll be seated, and who's going to the Super Bowl and everything else. Um, it's it you have to kind of look at the schedules, and I don't think the Saints are the best team in the NFC, but I think they're going 13 and three because of the way their schedule sets up. It's uh, they, they should be able to do that if they're anywhere close to as good as I expect them to be, even though I don't think they're as talented necessarily as Seattle or the Packers. Cause the Packers are also my pick. Let's get into though, some of these teams, because something we've talked about the last couple of months is get the parody of the NFL is impressive. If you like that sort of thing, which I do not, but if you go in for parody, then it is absolutely working these days because how many teams can you rule out? This team has no chance of making the playoffs this year. We've identified the Cowboys, the Giants, the Raiders, and after that, I don't know who you really point to and say, yeah, that t- team is definitely not making it. I get, uh, I can't say the Jags. People want me to no, say the I Jags. Think the Jags but... I don't think you can say the Jags any longer. I think the Browns, no I think the Browns based on what we've seen from them and, and what could become quite messy there, I think the Browns I might can, might be willing to, especially within that division. Wait, why are we including the Giants here? I know I'm not going to get on their bandwagon here, but mm. yeah. Coughlin and Manning are still there. Manning is not an old quarterback. They've won two Super Bowls where everybody doubted them already. Why are we now putting them with the dregs of the NFL? And it and is Coughlin's division. way to bounce back. Uh, that, right. That's right. the other and thing, and it's that he not does. a great division. Yeah, it's not I, a great think, division. I think they can take games off each other. I, I, I would definitely. Wouldn't and then if the they Giants. crack the playoffs, they've already proven it. Anything could happen once that happens. I, I don't feel comfortable with them in that category with the Browns or the Jags or. They I, have, I mean, but but their offensive line is lousy. Eli Manning sure. doesn't play well behind a crummy offensive line. What's their running game this year? Is JPP definitely going to bounce back? Because if he doesn't, 
then I don't yeah. know what's to like about the defense. I mean, the back end looks all right, but I, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. So maybe that's the point. So maybe there are two officially that you can say the Raiders ain't going to the playoffs and the Cowboys, right? And some people even try to make a case for the Cowboys. But what about those few teams in the middle? I think there are about 20 teams or thereabouts that you could make some sort of a case. Maybe that team, if things break right, they can sneak into the playoffs. Then there are those two to four other teams that we can say definitely won't go. But then there are those teams that have this wild range that are hard to really figure out. And right now, the team that's become that is the 49ers. Now, uh, a lot of people seem late to the party on this one in my book because I've been saying forever now, the the three, the Alden Smith, Justin Smith, and Navarro Bowman were have been question marks since the season ended, and now everybody's jumping in on this with the McDonald Jazz and and everything else, a bunch of quite Dorsey and and, and so on. But man, I, it's hard to imagine the Niners' defense. I mean, maybe mediocre. What is it based on reputation? Anybody thinks this defense can be good? What about it on the field in the first eight weeks at least? are impressive, then again, I keep saying there is the chance that the 49ers offense will be more potent than it, than it's been. And as I say, when it comes to the schedule, it's hard to really bury the 49ers right now when you look at uh, when you look at how things set up for them. The football gods may seem to hate them, but they don't when you think about the fact that wait, where is their schedule here? Let me get their uh, schedule here. I think they could go without but let's say Bowman comes back after week uh, for the week nine game after their uh, off of their bye. They go at Dallas in week one. They should probably win that. Then they host the Bears at Arizona. Maybe that's a loss. Eagles come to to the new uh, joint, the Levi Stadium. That's maybe a loss. That's two. KC at St. Louis. Those are wins. At Denver, that's a loss. St. Louis at home. And then week 10, they go to New Orleans, but I mean, I think they could be five and three. And if they're five and three at the Midway Park, Mark, and then they get Bowman and Alden Smith back, the second half of their schedule is a little bit easier. I could see them going ten and six, eleven and five. No, I, I totally, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think ten wins is about right for them. I also can just picture either a divisional or title game crushing loss again on the road. I, I think that's kind of how their season comes to an right. end where they don't, they're not one of the teams that have the home field advantage. They play very well because they're such a battle tested team and they get taken out uh, well before the Super Bowl or just before the Super Bowl. I think that's kind of their ceiling. This the season. end of the hub or let's get it. Down. You mm. think so? Well, I'll tell you on our last podcast, our pal, Daniel Jeremiah, AKA, at Move the Sticks, the aforementioned one said that Jim Harbaugh a year from now will be the head coach of either the Dallas Cowboys or the Miami Dolphins. Now, what about Heck. that team, the Miami Dolphins, handsome? What do you think this year? It's hard to really figure because the pass rush has uh, has looked terrific. Mm-hmm. And the secondary is pretty good, mm-hmm. but the linebackers are terrible. I'm much more worried on both sides of the ball about stopping and, and getting the getting the run going. I don't think that, you know their offensive line. Where last year it was horrible against against pass rush, and uh, Tannehill was sacked a league high fifty eight times. This time during the and I realize the preseason is not you know the be all and end all, but it's all we've got to work on right now, especially with a new offensive coordinator, a new offensive line coach, and new personnel along the offensive line. They had a really hard time being able to move the ball on the ground. So I worry about that, and then I worry about them being able to stop the run as well. Who else hands? Who else jumps out at you? Is this team that? 
you can't because we you know and, and again the last two months we've done a lot of high end low end if everything mm-hmm. goes right what their record could be and everything goes wrong and who what teams to you have the biggest range in that regard Hmm. I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are a team that jumps out to me that I could see them going anywhere from five and eleven to maybe ten and six, something like that. Um, I think the Jets could be nine and seven. I think they could be four and twelve. What the about their secondary off. now? Because if their defense isn't mighty, then they have no chance. Yeah, the secondary is a major issue, and if if uh, Rex Ryan gets fired after this season, it will be because his defense let him down, which is kind of uh, ironic considering that. And it's not his fault. John and Zick did a poor job setting this situation up, and now they got busted because this Dimitri Patterson guy, they, they suspended him and then cut him. He was going to be their starting cornerback, and that was such a ill-conceived idea for a Dolphin. Hey. That's right. Uh, in the first place because he couldn't stay healthy. They had no one to fill him in. And then the worst, and this is such a Jets thing as a Jets fan, of course, Dee Milner then gets hurt. So you have the one guy that you were kind of counting on to be good, which is also kind of reaching out uh, and hoping for the best. But now he's out of the picture maybe for week one even. You don't know how long a high ankle sprain lingers. The secondary is a mess. Uh, to me, the, the, the best way to look at it is that Calvin Pryor, their first-round pick, becomes an instant uh, breakout player and kind of becomes an anchor on that secondary. And then the cornerback play, they cobble it together somehow, and Rex figures out the rest. But uh, I'm very nervous about this Jets team. What about everybody outside of the Colts in the AFC South? Any of those other teams, the Texans, Titans, and Jags, wouldn't shock me if they got to 10 wins. No, and I think the Jags, it depends how... I mean, if we're all pretty high on Blake Bortles after the preseason. If he, if they decide, you know, week three, they're like, look, Chad Henney is Chad Henney. We know exactly what his ceiling is, and we know exactly what his floor is. Let's just try Blake Bortles. I think if the earlier they do that, the more chance they have of, of being that team that comes away with 10 wins. By the way, I feel like uh, I forgot to mention this at the top. I feel that way because I did forget to mention this at the top. Behind the glass today is not black tie. It's Labor Day. So, of course, you know, <laughs> my, my philosophical view on Labor Day, I've said this many times before, and I'm going to say it again now. Labor Day, I don't know who concocted Well, I know who concocted this holiday. It was the man. Because the man wanted to celebrate himself, and he wanted to dupe all the suckers out there. Because what are we doing? What is Labor Day but a celebration of the man and him trying to seem like a good guy by giving you a day off? You know, one out of 365, yeah, take this day to, to trick you, to make you feel like you got to. Because you know what happens on the other side of Labor Day, right? It starts getting colder and colder and colder outside. Yeah. And you got to go back to school now. And... Hope hope goes away once Labor Day goes away. Hope goes away. That's right, handsome Hank. Yeah. That's how it is. We started still, on such a positive note. Labor Day. <laughs> I, the, thank you. Know what? Of all the things football does for our lives mm-hmm. to improve our lives, no, it, it, it is no more important than with this specific thing. You have to go back to school. The only thing that keeps you going or kept me going when I was a child was was football. That if it weren't for, I don't know what. I don't know how. You, I don't know how you get up then. Get gotta it? go to school. I gotta go learn what the man tells me. I gotta learn about. Yeah, I've spoken on and on about about long division and algebra and chemistry and all that hokum. I do. Do I need it? Do I apply it in my in my daily life as an adult? No, no I do you not. Do not. I just feel blessed by the way that I am. I getting that time back that the man wasted? <laughs> Countless hours of my life, long division, geometry, algebra, pre-calculus. I don't know what any of it is. 
I don't know. I know. I couldn't tell you a thing about it. <laughs> well, look at us. Oh God! I'm not getting that time back. The three of us have just thrown it back in the man's face by turning up to work. <laughs> That's on, on, my point. On Labor Day. I don't celebrate Labor Day. Right. I work. We I labor. go out of my way. I'm in here laboring right now. Black tie, however, heard vacation. He doesn't care what's, no. what comes after. Catching up on 80s movies. Can, yeah. Can I just say, I'm happy and blessed to be in the studio right now. Two of Damashek's greatest hits is Labor Day Rant, which I've <laughs> heard seven to ten times. I don't care. And always enjoy it. And how you like to wash society's ills off in the great sea. Yeah. Two greatest hits, and I really enjoyed them. I'm happy I'm here. That's right. You know what? But when people go to see the Rolling Stones, they're not like, <laughs> play something from Steel Wheels. No, no. They're, you know, they want to hear they pain and They want satisfaction. Black. They want tumbling dice. You brought it all. Well, I'm dissatisfied today because of the man's uh, – crummy holiday and i don't care who's out there listening right now and upset about it so if if black tie is not here who is producing this well it's uh it's todd but we have to give him a name it's uh, he's from the tie rack after all all our producers get uh some sort of a tie todd mm. do you have any thoughts there that you want what you would like to go with there metcalf calf. maybe if he's just here for one day it could be tie takeaway Oh, different spelling of tie. Take out tie. Yeah, I see. take out tie. Ta- I get. I got you. Yeah, it's a start. Tie. T h a i. Yeah. No bad ideas here. Thanks. Um, all right, nice. we'll figure we'll, we'll figure that out. But yes, that's. Uh, I felt obliged to explain why we may not be as formatted as we sometimes are in this show. We're what, just, you, <laughs> Black Tie somehow formats this show? Well, sometimes we do segments within the show, but oh, not today. Not, not today, today we're not doing that, although we will play back for you in just a little bit here. Some of that uh, season preview that we did uh, last week, where there's a video part uh, that you can track down there. If you'd like to see me and Greg Rosenthal and Matt Money-Smith and Daniel Jeremiah Kibitzing, or like I say, you can just hang in and listen to it in just a bit. Um, but yeah, I'm intrigued. But yes, well, uh, you're talking about a team that might um, that might suddenly do something that we're not expecting them to. How about the Lions as a team that, for the yeah. last couple of years, everyone's kind of had their eyes on that. You know, big things were expected of them. I feel like with Jim Caldwell there now, no one really expects very much, and in that division where the Bears, I think everyone assumes are going to be better than them, and, and the Packers, obviously. I'm interested in that team because. Remember how when the Bucks were were good with Tony Dungy for so long, and then they brought in Gruden to be the guy to get them over the hump because he was like brought them sure. all kinds of excitement, whereas Dungy was kind of level pegging all the time. I feel like the opposite has happened. Like Jim Schwartz was mm, all over the place, and not obviously equivalent to Gruden in many ways, but he had that kind of spirit and energy that 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 team had, and and they they fell short a few times because I think that kind of translated on the field as, Ill, as indiscipline. With Caldwell here, it's almost like they've done the opposite and said, right, now we need to bring the discipline and maybe just like a, a flat line deal. It's basically, it doesn't make it, you're right, it's not the opposite. What, what it is is just change. It's, yes. it's the opposite of what you had. And that right. does work. And it's um, the the greatest example in the last decade, I guess, would be Mike Singletary going out and Jim Harbaugh coming in. The same basic pieces, and they go from this irrelevant team right. into a Super Bowl contender. Also, a wise move by Hank. You're buying low or buying at a low price on Matt Stafford. Yep. A lot of people seem to be out on Stafford now, but you know you forget that he's still just 26 years old and has done some really good things in this league. And another year with a different offensive coordinator. Uh, Lombardi there that will give him another way to look at the game. I mean, they could be a team that really surprised people. I like Hanzus going in this league. 
I like Can when, I do I, that? I like when the analysts oh, specify that we're talking about what goes on in this in league. In the National Football League, Matthew Stafford has been quite a talent. Um, He's an NFL quarterback. At the quarterback, at the quarterback position, you, what you have to understand is that this young man at the, uh, at the quarterback position in the National Football League has a real opportunity to, to be an outstanding player. Outstanding, player. by the way. Outstanding football player. It's funny that outstanding got jumped over by the superlative elite because coaches – use their favorite thing is outstanding outstanding effort out there gentlemen sort of like um i'm trying to yeah there there are a bunch of these i figured out the superlatives that apply to different career choices coaches use outstanding um i had a good one for stoners what's the uh awesome no anyway listen sick no, that's not, I, I figured out what, uh, what You've the... You've forgotten it, though. <laughs> oh, oh, that looks bad. That looks bad for me. Hey, uh, so, yeah, I want to get on record because it's easy. We made, like I say, we all made our picks for the divisions. Real quick, though, because nobody sticks their neck way out, except for Damashek because I picked the Chargers to win the AFC West. That's a bold pick. Um, but pretty much Patriots everybody has. Bengals are Steelers. Give me a team that, that – that, give me your wild card teams here. I go like – you know, so I Patriots. I went back and forth. I ultimately went Steelers. Then I took the Bengals as a wild card and the Broncos as a wild card and the Chargers to get in there. Who are your wild cards to, to win? Because it is a top-heavy – both conferences, yeah. in fact, are top-heavy. And I almost had – in the NFC side, once I got to – those wild card teams, I, I like the Bears a lot, so I think they get one of them. But it, it it's almost hard to figure out who is that uh, that sixth team in the in the in both conferences. Yeah, I would I would say in the AFC, I'm in, I'm saying that the Bengals are going to win the North, so I'm saying the Steelers get in as a wild card team, and I like the Chargers like you do, but I don't like them quite enough to knock off the Broncos. So those are my two obvious AFC ones. Everybody's way too excited about the Steelers. I don't know what you think you've seen that makes you that everybody is. I, I'm uncomfortable as a Steelers fan with everybody giving them the division. I know I just did, but I, I didn't. I just gave them a wild card berth. All right, yeah, you're right. You're, I, I guess so. And then, like we talked about with Jeremiah last week, no one picks the Bengals to do anything, even though they're the most talented team. I know their quarterback isn't the best, but outside of that, they're the most talented people, team in the AFC. People just seem disgusted by Andy Dalton. I know. I and don't know what happened. This guy never did anything wrong other than be <laughs> some, a, bad me- playoff yeah, a mediocre playoff quarterback. And it seems like every year the NFL world actively roots for the Bengals to come down to earth. And I don't see it happening this year. Right. I think that's going to annoy some more people when Andy Dalton's playing another Saturday playoff game in January. I don't know if it matters, and it's really hard to to figure out because I've asked players about this and coaches too, and there there's never a good clear answer to this. But that sense of the uh, of a football town, they're not their expectations aren't set very high. They're Cincinnati Bengals fans after all. But now after three straight playoff appearances in the Marvin Lewis era going on for as long as it has, and I'll say it again, that this is year 13. Has anyone in NFL history ever done so little? Has anyone done so little and kept his job for as long as he has? It's crazy. I know that and people say, well, look, you got to look at the the culture there and the the history of that team. I mean, he gets them to the playoffs. At some point, that runs out, though. At some point, it's not like Ohio isn't a football state. These people are football crazy people. 
They want to see a winner there. How long? And and that vibe in the city, on talk radio, in the stadium on Sundays, how long can you get away with just being like, yeah, pretty good? At some point, these people are going to start booing. It won't be enough. They're going to boo Andy Dalton. They're going to boo. They're going to call for the head of Marvin Lewis and so on. But if the bar was set low, I mean, because but, it's, but it, I know it's set low, but now it's been long enough now know, that it's not it going to be satisfied. It doesn't matter about the fan. I mean, it does obviously matter about the fans, but it doesn't matter to the the ownership of the one that really matter. And they the bar was set pretty low. Like if we are not disgustingly bad, you get to keep your job. Going to the playoff every, playoffs every year, no way they're going to fire him. If we don't, okay. But I disagree. We, by the way, I think if they flame out again in the first round of the playoffs, I don't know if Marvin Lewis gets fired. Uh, but I think that the heat is officially on him. He goes on the hot seat. Do you not think, though, with, with coach? I know this is a long way down the line, but with coaches, if they get f- – you, you again, I said this about Andy Dalton as well, actually. If you don't know that you can get a better option, if you don't know that you can bring in someone that's better than what you've got, i.e. that's got you to the playoffs, then you're making – you know, it's not a terrifically smart move to make. Will coaches really want to go – and I know money's going to talk and whatever else, but the Bengals don't traditionally spend a lot of money – who wants to go to Cincinnati and be the coach there? Oh, come on. It's a, one of 32 jobs on the face of the earth. I'm sure. Right, but then are they, better than, are they better than Marvin Lewis? If you, I mean, yeah, I get it. Someone's yeah. gonna, you're going to hire someone, but you, you're, not, you're probably not going to get the best coach that's out there. Who are, you gonna get, who, who, are they going to be better than Marvin Lewis? It's a keen question, and it's the same one that people ask about Alex Smith or, for that matter, Andy Dalton getting all that money. People say that's insane, but then the response to that is, what's the other option? You have to have a quarterback, and you can't throw – you know, you don't want to throw – you know, Mark Sanchez out there if you can help it. And, right. those, you know, so, so you do. So what is uh, what, it's, a, it's a keen point you make, right, is, is that uh, the grass is greener. You exactly. think until until you actually get there. But what I want to do is we have to name and rather than just listing, just reading them, we between the three of us, let's identify two or three teams that are surprise teams because we know Packers, we get that with Eagles, we know Seahawks. What are these teams that will be? Because it happens every year. So twenty fourteen can't be any different. There always is a team that comes out of nowhere. What? Give me. Your choice is to do that once well, and for all. Is, is the Lions from nowhere? I guess I'll allow that. I'll, 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 I think that one's okay. Yeah, I, I like that. I believe in the D- Detroit Lions. Here's the other one, too. We know that if a defensive line has dominant pieces, if Ziggy Ansah, the upside for him was great. Remember two years ago, he was the story, along with Tavon Austin, just rising up the draft board. So he ends up going in the top ten. He has a good rookie season. If he, in year two becomes this dominant JPP-type force, plus Indomitian Sue next to him, how bad could that defense be? Right. I think the offense is going to score 40 points a game. So if the defense is pretty good and it has a chance to be, that is a team. That's why I picked them as my as one of the two wildcard seeds over the 49ers and in the NFC. It better happen this year because I don't know if Sue or Nick Fairley are there next year. So this might be the last chance Detroit gets to have all those guys on that line doing – uh, doing havoc. So I think that I like that pick. I got one also. The Atlanta Falcons. Mm. People sleeping on the Falcons a little bit. They disappeared last year. They got. I'm up to sleeping. A... I'm sleeping on them because I was watching them on Hard Knocks. <laughs> I, I defy you to stay awake watching uh, My, that well, Charisma Challenge get, group. Mike, I don't get Mike it. Smith. Uh, oh man, it, it, his atti- his attitude and charisma befits his name. 
You cannot get behind that guy as <laughs> no. an exciting head coach. He's not exciting. And I, I think one of – I don't know if that person would want me to use him, use him by name, but one of our NFL network anchors downstairs uh, had some fun with him by saying that he doesn't even know how to curse properly. Like, it doesn't come out fluid at all. He just <laughs> – there's nothing fiery about the guy. But I think the team itself – they got off to a slow start, lost some very close games. Then they lost Julio Jones, and the, and the wheels fell off. I think people sleep on Matt Ryan a lot as being a top-ten type quarterback in this league, and I think this NFL, this National Football League. And I think that with Julio Jones back, Roddy White, I think they're going to score a lot of points. I think they're going to win like nine games, and I think that could get a playoff spot. All right. I'm not going to go crazy about them, but, you know. I Arizona think- is a team that everybody has been excited about since mm-hmm. December. So uh, I think the I think the gloss is wearing off a little bit. Do you think team. so? Yeah, I, I don't like. They've lost a few. They they recently. I don't like losing. Yeah, Daryl Washington right. and Darnell Dockett. I don't think this team just uh, and it's still and, on. and it's still Carson Palmer and you and you know like you could kind of get past Carson that a little Palmer. bit, but. Everybody so easily looks past Carson right. Palmer. But he goes back guy. to the Bengals. He's, like, he's Carson Palmer. He's right. not going to take you deep. He's not going to, in a division with the, the Niners and the Seahawks, we're going to get excited about Carson Palmer right. leading the Cardinals to 10 or 11 wins. It's, it's not, not going to happen. It won't happen. They got to 10 last year, I understand, but that to me was an anomaly. They are not get, they're not going to sniff 10 games this year. I wonder if people would be more excited if you had exactly the same Bengals team but with Carson Palmer now as their quarterback. Would you be more excited about I the Bengals or less that, excited? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. In fact, I love pl- doing that game. It, it, well, when let's you, play it. How, whatever the <laughs> rules are, I'm willing to play it right Let's now. play this. All right. Colin Kaepernick for Andy Dalton. How would that go? How would that How would that 49ers team have looked the last two years with that? With that? And I don't think Colin Kaepernick would have beaten out. I'm sorry. I don't mean. I, I don't think Andy Dalton would have beaten out Alex Smith in the first place. Do you think? Do you think uh, the Bengals, as the NFL, as the, 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 the new NFL uh, puts forth, nice. that team would have been better. Much. It would have been. Would it exactly, have been? Some people doubt that. Some people don't think that that's the case. Who day? <laughs> <laughs> I think they'd be seen. If if the Bengals had Kaepernick or have Kaepernick, they're seen as the third big contender in the AFC, in my opinion. Right. Um, well, I agree with that, but yeah. uh, some people poo-poo that. I'm just trying to figure out because I don't want to like, – if by week 10, we're, we, how did we – we never talked about that team in the preseason. I want to make sure that we can claim well, – we, we go back, we saw that pull a piece of audio right. from, from an August podcast or I guess a September podcast and do that. Jacksonville Jaguars. That's the one. And the other one is – Again, I say the AFC South. I, we don't know. The Titans have now taken – they've wrested the most anonymous franchise right. in the NFL away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are they definitely still in the NFL? Between, between – <laughs> yeah, between, between the owner's mustache and the hideous two-tone helmets and Blake Bortles and all that, I feel like the Jags now, we have some feel for them. The Titans now – have have nothing. We don't, you know. Chris Johnson is gone. Most people don't know what Bishop Sankey looks like. Nobody has any sense of Jake Locker except that he gets hurt a lot. Ken but, Wisenhunt was never. But Ken Wisenhunt has now in two straight stops, and then even before that, working with Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Then he goes to Jacksonville. That team almost wins a Super Bowl. Then. He goes to San Diego for one year, and yeah, he has to get some credit for the resurrection of Phil Rivers last year. So doesn't that all add up to maybe, especially with the weapons that 
the Titans have, they might be good on offense this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Jake Locker is playing well. It's just how do you manage the eight to ten weeks when he's not playing? Right. Because he's going to get hurt. I mean, everything we see, he's going to get hurt. Clipboard Jesus. So you get Clipboard Jesus, Charlie Whitehurst there. You got Zach Mettenberger if you want to get excited about him instantly making an impact. People are excited about him, yeah. Uh, You know, I I just find it hard. When you build a franchise around a brittle quarterback, it's just like, what's the point of even existing? And I'm not sure (laughs) the Titans exist. I say QB malaise. That's what Ken Wisenhunt needs to caution against. Obviously, clipboard Jesus ain't the answer. But Zach Mettenberger, they like. He just can't get into that thing of scrambling each week to figure out who's going to be the starting QB. If they do that, though, like you say, yeah, people intended. I don't get the sense that people in Nashville care that much. I think it's SEC country. Mm-hmm. But I, but uh, yeah, I don't think that they uh, they're not my, they're not the team that we will go down. I was going to say though, we didn't mention them because you said Lions, I said Falcons. The tight. We need to pick a team that really everyone views as a complete afterthought. Well, how about this one? I just did. Who the Titans, Titans slash Jags? But we don't, we don't believe. We it. don't believe it. I how believe about, it. How about the Buffalo? <laughs> Bills? I just told you the reasons why I believe it. How about the Buffalo Bills? What if EJ Manuel, Ooh. who, uh, who we've, we we oh. I think everyone collectively says EJ Manuel. Like if you wanted to say this is a team that isn't going to make the playoffs, solely based on their quarterback, people say Buffalo Bills. They'll they'll th- there'll be people who throw that out there. If EJ Manuel actually isn't as bad as he looks. And, and he has looked really, really bad. But if he isn't really that bad, suddenly you've got an offense stacked with weapons. Mm-hmm. Spiller, Fred Jackson's still good. You suddenly got receivers there as well. You've got a great defense. Wait, let's that's assume a team that, that's a team that could that could easily we could be talking about in week eight. EJ Manuel, who's not even a captain, by the way, not, not named even the captain. A captain. I read apparently. into that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's say he stinks and he continues to stink. Kyle Orton is a great backup. Kyle Orton right. and Sammy Watkins you you can see, do if, things if together. You if you didn't see the photo of Kyle Orton signing his contract <laughs> with the Bills, make sure you find it. I mean, he looks like <laughs> the, the most outgrown frat dude right. in the history of pro football. I just I tweeted out Kyle Orton is so Bills. He was just he was just dressed as a member of the Buffalo Bills instantly. His western shirt, <laughs> yeah. snap button western shirt, shirt with a ball cap. I know I dress the same way, but but he's <laughs> he but, could be the Bills quarterback. But <laughs> he really did look like it, it was like his the smile on his face is like some of this money's going straight to a two kegger. Uh, <laughs> got the tridelts coming by the frat house. <laughs> it's going to be a rager, dudes. Don't miss it. Um, so, uh, all right, so there you go. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, here's another thing. I, I tweeted it out over the weekend. Um, is Because things change. The narratives, and we talk about legacy all the time. These are big words now over the last uh, two years or so in pro football. But if, you know, the Seahawks win, then Russell Wilson is the greatest quarterback over the first three years of his career ever, right? I mean, there would be no doubt if he wins – two out of his first three seasons. But if Aaron Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, then he's the greatest quarterback of all time, probably. And if Peyton Manning wins the Super Bowl this year, then he's definitely the greatest quarterback of all time. So is Tom Brady if he wins the Super Bowl. But if Peyton Manning goes to the playoffs and throws a terrible pick, then that that narrative uh, gains even more momentum. So what happens in 2014, obviously, is going to affect – the legacy of these guys. So real quick, let's just get a State of the Union here before things kick off. Give me your Super Bowl era QBs. And before you do that, in order, the greatest Super Bowl QB of – I mean, the greatest QB of the Super Bowl era. I'll give you mine. One, Joe Montana, four for four in the Not Super gonna Bowl. Not going to argue with you that. Mm-hmm. Number two, this is where the controversy starts. 
I go Aaron Rodgers. You know, you know, I have great affection for the man. You certainly do. And given where he is in his career and how much time he has left, I think it's a decent bet that he's going to get one more. And you know, listen, people talk about Peyton Manning as the greatest ever, and he only has one. And Peyton, Aaron Rodgers hasn't lost in a Super Bowl or anything like that. A- anyway, Aaron Rodgers, the greatest talent. And again, I think we'll look back and say, how did he do it for that long without Wait. any running game? He had no running game. Now Eddie Lacy and crummy defenses, and they kept winning the division every year anyway. Mm-hmm. In that, in the, for for several years that went on. Right now, you're saying, or after the season? No, I'm talking right about now. right now. Right now, Aaron Rodgers is the second greatest quarterback, quarterback in the Super Bowl. Tom era. Brady hasn't had a clean postseason since their last Super Bowl but victory. What, that was ten years Aaron ago. Aaron Rodgers, what has he done since they won the Super Bowl last? He's been terrific. He yeah, was terrific against the I, Niners. But, he and the week before in the playoff game and the weekend before that beat. he went into Chicago I mean, but he didn't play well by the way in that night he, he is one seat well, well one playoff worth and maybe even this week so we started out by saying this Thursday's games like a playoff type game he may be that close to being talked about as a sort of Peyton Manning type big game choker it's well I, I don't think he's but he hasn't thrown there isn't an iconic pick that he's but thrown he hasn't to played throw a great game either away. Well, I mean, I think uh, I'm trying to now go back in my head. The Niners game, he was up and down in that one the week before, though, against the arch rival in Soldier Field. He, he won nice the game. division well, on the last nice, play that of wasn't the season. A playoff that's game. an okay Bears that team. That wasn't Let's, a playoff You can't go crazy about that either. But it was a dynamic play with Julius Peppers, one of the great pass rushers of the era, at his feet. He he, he backs away from the guy and then throws the the division-winning touchdown pass. Awesome it was play. spectacular stuff. No, no, neither Henry or I are arguing that he's an awesome player. Right. But he's, Here's the other he's, thing. He's top three quarterback in you the NFL right I, now. I realize Not you Second best ever. I realize it's razor thin, but as I've pointed out many times, if Ben Roethlisberger with a minute 59 in that Super Bowl against the Packers, down six points, throws a touchdown pass, and Heinz Ward or whoever else runs it for a touchdown, there's no question who the best active quarterback in the NFL is. If he's three for three out of ten seasons, if he's three for three ten years into the league and he has three Super Bowl rings, then there would be no discussion. People will argue on that too, though, because he played extremely poorly in the first Super Bowl. No, and when I talked to Ben Roethlisberger last week on the Dave Damashek football program, I encourage you, nay, demand you go back and, and, uh, and find it. We kibitzed about that, and we agreed that people too often forget about how great he was against Indianapolis and Denver on the road in the two games that led them to that Super Bowl. So how he played against Seattle is mitigated by what he did against teams that they were supposed to lose right. to, specifically the Colts. But he's not on this list, right? He is not on my list. See? Okay. Um, now, after him, man, I, I went uh, – Marino, oh no, then Elway at four. Right. Marino five. That's my top so five. So wait, right there. you've got Montana one, Rogers two, Rogers Brady, two three, Brady three, Elway four, Elway four Marino, Marino five. five. Peyton Manning's not one of the top five quarterbacks of the last. 40 I did years. see you tweeted that. Where, out. Do you, where does he go? Dave, Who does he beat Dave out? Dave tweeted out of that, that out on Saturday, and probably two thousand very very angry Broncos fans accused him <laughs> Oh look who started the Bronco the Manning hate for the for the twenty fourteen season. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, where's all right, so it, Manning or anyone else deserve to be on there? Not Johnny you. Uh, Brady and Manning obviously have to be on the Brady list. Brady and Manning are on the list. Have to be on the list. Absolutely. Yes. 
You can't hold it against Brady that he keeps getting to the Super I, Bowl. I put Brady at two. And Manning, for that matter. I, well, Brady's the closest one. But I put Brady at two. Brady's I, the I'd closest put, to uh, – and, and if Brady wins – I mean, again, it's razor thin. If, right. if, if uh, David Tyree doesn't catch the ball on his hat – then uh, or Asante Samuel makes the pick a play before that. Brady, then be Brady is the greatest of right. all time. But of course, those things did happen. And yes. so, uh, exactly. but you, but at the same time, so, you're you're kind of set, you're predicting Aaron Rodgers to win Super Bowls that he hasn't won yet. Aaron Rodgers is not on this list. He wins the division every year. Eli Manning's on the list. If Aaron Rodgers is on the no, list, that's ridiculous. Well, I'm not, and so I was being there. ridiculous on purpose. Look, look, I was being a ridiculous on Rogers purpose. Rodgers' statistical because, trajectory puts him on par with anybody in history. Yeah, almost as good as Peyton. All right. Well, so and, Peyton's but, on the list. But, but his. They've both won. Aaron Rodgers, the Packers have not tailored the offense to Aaron Rodgers' skill set the what? way. They haven't? As, not nearly as much as Peyton Manning has had it tailored but that, to his. Wait, but wait, his, that's. Uh, Somehow that's a that's a flaw of Peyton's that he's had. I didn't say it's a flaw of it. Listen, I'm not into Peyton. I'm not trying to uh, bash Peyton. I'm making a case for Aaron Rodgers. I know, but but his skill set is his skill set transcends anyone in the history of football. That's why I say he's the best of all time. Who can do what Aaron Rodgers can do? Namely, run around as effectively as he can succeed behind a terrible offensive line like he has. They had no running game for four years there. I know, but the succeed is only succeeding as much as they've won one what, Super Bowl. Win divisions? The right. Giants dropped I mean, against the Giants. Hakeem Nix catches that uh, Hail Mary when, at the end uh, of the first half. When was half the last time that Peyton Manning didn't win a division in, in when he was healthy? Uh, well, you know, I can't I, remember, but it's he, that's and if, then that if gets we, us. If we're putting together, but then that gets divisions. us into the conversation as we go into 2014. You can go on record with this if, if you want. It's again what we what we asked about a year ago. Do you like a, a glorified game manager? And I don't mean that in a in a negative way, but do you like a guy who's precise, uh, has has mastered the offense? But what that tends to B come January is that then when the competition raises, that's not enough. You have to be able to improvise. In the way the games go these days, you have to be able to improvise in the clutch to win game after game after game. Brady's inability, Peyton's inability to do that costs their team's but, games when they count, whereas it's it's like this. But Brady, think- Peyton, and Troy Aikman. Here's, here's your choices. Brady, Peyton, Troy Aikman. Or Elway, Favre, Roethlisberger. Which which trio would you prefer? Super Bowl era trio. Prefer for what? For who would you rather have? Which quarterbacks do you like better? It says a great deal about who you are and and uh, what you prefer in your in your QB. And well, I like guys as a that, fan as a coach. I'll say, listen. A, if you take the first three, you're always going to be in it. You're going right. to win the division so almost coach, every single year. There are going to be some terrible years if you have those other three names I just said. Right. You know, as a they're, they're going to be some, want... they're going to be not terrible years, but they're going to be some eight and eight years where things don't break right for you, and there will be some awful picks and everything else, and there'll be some heartbreaking losses. Mm. But obviously, Brady and Peyton have had some heartbreaking losses themselves. But 
the ability to improvise and pull things out in the clutch and take chances and gunslinger and all that, first of all, as a fan, is way more exciting. Right. Of course, if that's more fun. As a fan, that's more fun. But if you're a coach, you're going to want First the group. three guys that are going to get know, you. No, that's my every point. Year. And I think we, whether <laughs> you realize it or not, have Stockholm syndrome because who tells us what to think more than the coaches do? And on TV, coaches get up at the press conference and, re- oh, Peyton, he's a coach out on the field. Oh, Tom Brady, his mastery, <laughs> he keeps all the guys in line. We buy into that because the coaches tell us that that's what we have to do. They swoon for these guys who police the locker room and all that kind of stuff. They go crazy for that kind of stuff. So we buy that that is more important. But I say, as a free thinker, give me the improvisational guys. Head coaches don't want guys that don't do d- that don't succeed outside of their system. Offensive coordinators want the, the players to thrive based on the system that they implement. They don't want a guy who's like, yeah, he, he, he uh, draws things up in the sand when, uh, when times get tough and wins that way. But, Dan, am I wrong in thinking that Dave's definition of an improviser is basically someone who can scramble? No! And throw Brett into Favre, that? double coverage and things and of those into do- Takes those- chances. Takes, right. r- takes risks. I think you're a left-brain thinker, Dave, and you gravitate towards that type of player. I think there's a connection there. Doesn't that make me a right break, a right brain thinker? I thought of. Let's uh, say out of the box. Aren't you more creative if you're right brain? brain? I, left, left. I think left is the more creative side. Well, then that's what I am. <laughs> I don't know. All right, so nobody's answered my question. All you do is the first group. my list. Oh, your list uh, here. I'll give you my list straight away. You take the first. You take Peyton Brady, Aikman. Eight, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Aikman Aikman deserves to be in that group, but okay, we'll put him in there. That's fine. Well, I can't think because you can't put Montana because he was why not sort of he well, he was left brained. Yeah, he was he the closest player. If you're comparing a player, Aaron Rodgers is closest to Joe Montana. Could run around, mm-hmm. do yeah, some yeah. stuff. I don't you know, disagree didn't have with the that. Arm, didn't have an arm like that, but at least could improvise. Few rings short right now. All right, he's still a youngish man. Yep. Go ahead. What my list? Yes, your list. <laughs> I would have I would have Montana at the top of your of the list, same right. as you. I have Bron- Tom Brady as number two. All right. I have John Elway as number three. All right. I have Peyton Manning as number four. Oh. And I very much agree with you about Dan Marino. At oh five. boy. <laughs> and I, I mean, well, you could put him at number one. I would put Montana one, Manning two, Brady three, Elway four. I'm not going to debate you on Peyton because people get tired of hearing me say it. But how you could say Peyton Manning, given that everything has been structured, whether it's good fortune or what he demands or what Bill Polian and then then John Elway saw what he needed to succeed. But you you are saying you're penalizing I mean, John Elway and Dan Marino had no running game ever in their careers, just about. Neither one of them. And Dan Marino, his best receiver ever in his career – was was Mark Duper? Does anybody talk about Mark Duper? And I'm sorry, Mark Clayton. Mark Clayton was better. Mark Clayton. Does anybody ever make noise for Mark Clayton going to the Hall of Fame? Of course they don't. You're basically saying that Peyton Manning's entire career is a product of the personnel around no, him. No, he's terrific. Staff. He's terrific. But when we're splitting hairs, I'm I'm going to take the guy who did at least as much, if not more, with less. You know, I mean. Elway and Marino, people completely sleep on both those guys. Elway wouldn't have a ring if Terrell Davis didn't show up at the end of his career. But for the majority of his career, again, who was his best pass catcher? Vance Johnson? Ricky Natil? You know, 
Ed McCaffrey. By the way, if we if we went through year by year of Manning's career, Rod Smith, I could name ten receivers, tight ends, running backs that right. Manning turned into a very good Pro Bowl level level player just by his greatness. Austin Collins. I'd go love for you to hear that. Blair the only White. one I ever hear Blair is Austin Collins. Blair White. No, Blair White never turned into a good NFL player. Dallas Clark. You know, I you could just go down. Eric Decker turned into a stud wide receiver. Anthony Gonzalez. Anthony Gonzalez. Uh, it's simply not true. I mean, the, oh, the, we'll go. I bet I could come level. up with a whole bunch of guys if no, you gave no, me no. time. I can't the do names, the, the names that I will offer up to you are Julian Edelman, Troy Brown, David Givens. These are guys who are zeros if it's not for Tom Brady. That that's turning a nothing. Into, All those guys would have been great in a Peyton Manning offense, also. Absolutely, Manning would have made them into big time players the way that Brady did. That come on. I mean, I just don't think there's a lot. I think it's it's it, the sample size that people love to throw up is that, like you say, are are guys like Austin Collie, who was effective for about a month. You know, he, he had about three or four good weeks. You're just misremembering, I believe, how long this stretch was. And Pierre Garçon has proven to not be some flash in the pan. Witness what he did with what he's done with RG3 and Kirk Cousins. So obviously, he is a legitimate talent. I just, listen, Peyton Manning Brandon is Stokely. All right, Brandon Stokely. That's a pretty good one. That's see now that's a decent name. But the but the point is also Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Edge James, Marshall Falk, Demarius Thomas. These are generationally great players. With or without Peyton Manning, they would go most anywhere and do well. And so would Eric Decker. Now, Eric Decker's 2014 will tell us a fair amount, but he's really behind the eight ball there. There's no one else there. What about all the offensive lines that Manning made better by his ability to read defenses and set the play up better? We're not going to give him any credit for that. Murky stuff. Marshall Falk Mm. will tell you that it's smart. That what, but but what six or eight years ago would be called scared quarterbacking is now called smart quarterbacking because Peyton and Brady are the ones who have popularized that. But neither one of those guys, like any defender anywhere with uh, within uh, arm's reach, when well, they're throwing and that, the ball. And that that's why I think we talk about them maybe not being able to improvise so much because when it comes to the playoffs, well, so how, play, how could they be the best quarterback if they can't improvise? Because of what they've done around that, though. Like, improvising is one thing. Well, I think what you're saying is when it comes to the playoffs and they get pressure in their faces, they don't play as well as they do for 16 games before that. And, I mean, to some extent, you're true. That, that, that's, that's the truth. But there's, there, until the last few years, there haven't been defenses of the same caliber that they're going to be matching up against. All right, let's get it on record here. Let's wrap it up. Hanzoos. Yes, sir. In honor of your boy, would you name him? Jack Carson Hansis. Very nice. And we haven't decided yet once and for all. Mean Joe Damashek, right? <laughs> I like Mean Joe. Ouija was the other mm-hmm. was another one we were toying with. Ouija. Or like Big that. Ben. Or Bubby. Bubby's good. <laughs> Bubby Damashek might be good to join Jean Claude Van Damashek. Um <laughs> let's get Super Bowl picks out there right now. Give me your final fours real quick so they're on record here. I'm going um with the Saints and Packers playing in the NFC championship game. And a Broncos Patriots repeat of the AFC. And who will emerge? I think that it's going to be. Remember when Drew Brees and Peyton Manning played in the Super Bowl? Yes. <laughs> it's going to happen again. And who will win this time? Drew Brees. Ah, Hansus, I'll say you. Uh, I got Seattle uh, being defeated by the Packers in the NFC title game. 
I got the Patriots getting it back to another Super Bowl and, uh, you know, get past the Broncos probably, I would say. Just as they've, just as we never got, it's weird that the Raiders and Cowboys were both so good in the 70s, and yet they never met. It's sad mm-hmm. that, that we never, that we were deprived as fans of seeing those two great teams play one another. I hope we get to see Rodgers v. Uh, v. Brady at mm, some point. Is that, great. is that what you're predicting? I'm predicting the Packers to defeat the Saints in New Orleans. So their bookends right. of the season will be winning in the fail Mary two game and that to, to exercise that demon and then go on the road into the Superdome and win there and then go to the Super Bowl and defeat Tom Brady's New England Patriots. That is my pick. Who will beat, by the way, the Colts in the AFC title game. Huh. Colts are going to be the number one seed. Colts are going to look at their schedule. And, it's, again, we talked yeah. about those South, those teams in the South. I don't know if any of them – I don't know if any of them will be really good. So uh, that's that. And I got uh, my wild cards, I told you. My big pick is the Chargers to uh, to win the division. That's my big outside-the-box pick for you there. I got the – yeah, Packers over Patriots I have. And I, I would like to go on, uh, on the record and say I correctly picked this last August. I got the Super Bowl right. Uh, within about five points in total with score as well. Wow. So book it, 34-28, Packers over Patriots. Wow, mm. bold. All right, yeah. we'll see you in Arizona, or I'll see you, Hanzoos, up in Seattle this week because yes, you sir. and I are both going up there. Matt Money-Smith, be on the lookout for us there. The new NFL again available for you at NFL.com. Hanzoos and company, the Around the League podcast Terrific as around it is. NFL. Around the NFL. It's now been upgraded. That's exactly right. It's now around. Because <laughs> Dan, Dan kept pointing out that it was, uh, you know, in the uh, in this league. Yeah. So around now. this league. That's what it should have been. That's what you should have changed it to. <laughs> around this league. No, it's around the NFL now. Handsome Hank, you put together a whole thing. All the season preview stuff available for yeah, you. did, yeah. At NFL.com. I've been tweeting it out. Do you ha- is there a way to click into all that stuff? Or yeah, just, just NFL.com slash season preview is all you would need to, to type into your computer. And like I say, get in there and uh, and get your now, uh, get the now app, go to NFL.com slash now, all sorts of kibitzing about your favorite team, favorite players, so on and so forth, tailored to what you want to hear about and nothing else. You get it. It's nice on your cell phone, on your laptop. You put a you know, ding, and all of a sudden there's information. If you're a Steelers fan, What's Ryan exactly Is that how it works? Yeah, ding. Well, I'm waiting for the ding because I want the thing because soon there will be a notification ding for you. When yeah. You're, I'm excited for that. <laughs> the information superhighway. Right. I want to do live. I want it to ding and like you click into it and it's like, whoa, hey, look who it is. It's Dave Damashek. It's Dan Hanzoos. It's Handsome Hank. We're live in the newsroom. That would be pretty in about cool. soup, you know, whatever, or whatever we're talking about. <laughs> whatever arguments we get into. Sometimes they're football-based. Sometimes it's about the game called life. It would be fun if we could do that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we'll be back. Oh, you know what, Handsome? So I get back um, in time on Friday that me, you, and Elliot Harrison, first edition of the Red Challenge. Red Challenge flag. Flag. When segment. are we doing that? We're making our picks for the first Sunday of NFL football. Wow. We'll do that on Friday, so make sure you're on Friday the morning for that one. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, we'll let you go right now. Although, at the back end here, just to give you a sample of the NFL uh, Supercast that we did, the 2014 NFL Preview Whoa. Supercast we did, we'll give you a little uh, taste of that. Like I say, Matt Money-Smith, Greg Rosenthal, Daniel Jeremiah, and myself in there. So give that a listen, and uh, we'll be back later on in the week with more Huey and Applesauce. Meantime, thanks so much, football fans. Enjoy the season. 
That's that. <laughs> <laughs> Dave. Dave. All right, the NFL Media 2014 NFL Preview Supercast continues now. That's Daniel Jeremiah. I'm Dave Damashek. You know, we're talking with all the fellas who have podcasts at NFL Media. It's sort of like if the Justice League, all the superheroes, <laughs> got together, DJ. So appropriately, here we are in the uh, Hall of Justice. And joining us now from his lair, his Magically. secret lair there, from the Coaches Show, of course, uh, one of the hosts along with the great uh, Steve Mariucci, the great and Super Bowl champion, Coach Brian Billick. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, guys. It's great to think uh, we're going to kick this thing off soon. Oh, I know. It's so exciting. And, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, Coach, we've seen some really revolutionary stuff from Chip Kelly and the fast break. And the year before that, we saw offenses spread it out. Any trends that you are looking for in 2014 to sort of break out? Well, just by way of the examples you're talking about, everything seems to be a little up-tempo. doesn't necessarily translate to more plays. Chip Kelly was going to come in and revolutionize the game, and last year averaged about the same number of plays that everybody else did over the last 20 years. But clearly the style of what he's doing, everybody covets that. And when you look at the, you know, it's in contrast to the Bill Belichick's, the Pete Carroll's of the world that are going to say, you know what, we're going to play good defense, we're going to control the clock. Going back to the Parcellian mentality, Mark Tressman, you see here in Chicago the difference that his team may look like with the second year for Jay Cutler to come in and really take hold of what is really one of the most talented offenses in the league. So we're going to see a lot of things happen in this league contrasting in styles, but the fact that we're going into that second year of Chip Kelly, going into the second year of Mark Tressman, uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly what kind of impact they can have. Coach, the day after the Super Bowl, the Seahawks are the winners. I was on an airplane, 30,000 feet in the sky, talking to this guy, Daniel Jeremiah, and we thought we, we were going back and forth about, has Pete Carroll tapped into something here that, given the era, do you have to be a player-friendly coach? You know, I don't mean to hold up uh, Greg Schiano and make him the personification of the in-your-face kind of coach, but... We know he's no longer there. Would Vince Lombardi style work in the 21st century? Or, like I say, do you have to be more player friendly? Well, player respectful, I'm going to put it that way, because you don't want to necessarily be their friend. Pete has a lot of energy, but no team turned its roster over more the last three years than Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks. So it's, look, we're in this together. You're with me, pal, but if you're not getting done, you're gone. I'm going to bring in the next guy. So you have to be respectful of the demands of the game on the players, but you got guys like Andy Reid that have been at this a long time. Uh, he's not going to be buddy-buddy with the players necessarily, but he is going to be respectful. Pete Carroll has a great deal of energy. He's got a very specific plan, but he holds them to a very high standard and says, guys, this is what we're going to have, or I'm not afraid to uh, make a change. Now, you contrast those head coaching styles to the guys like a Sean Payton, the play callers. He and Mike McCarthy are probably the top two. When you're the head coach and the primary play caller, it does change the dynamic. Coach, you know all about the responsibility sitting in that chair you're in right now, which that is a big-time head coaching chair that you've got in your office. I'm very <laughs> jealous. I want to let you know that. But one thing that's very difficult for a head coach to navigate is kind of a quarterback battle. You can call it a quarterback controversy. This year, three teams in particular, the Jets, the Jags, and the Browns, they have a young option at quarterback. They have a veteran. They each made their own decision. What do you think about what those three teams have decided and those coaches, the moves that they've made there? Well, it's always, and DJ, you and I have lived this a couple times, and, and you talk about there's nothing harder 
in the draft than to identify what makes an NFL caliber quarterback. And it's a 50-50 crapshoot at best. Well, the same can be said is how am I going to play them? How am I going to integrate them into the NFL? Am I going to start them right away? I'm going to let them sit. There's no one set rule that says this is the way it works. Although I will tell this, say this, and I'm going to write about this next week on .com. When you look at over since 2007, those players that have been a first-round draft choice that haven't started even to start the season – it's not a pretty picture, so it begs the question, if you're not willing to start them as a rookie, maybe you made a mistake in making the first a first-round draft choice, but there's a lot of different ways to do it, obviously. It comes down to the personality of the players themselves. The problem is when you talk about the three first-round draft choices this year with Blake Bortles, the third overall pick, Johnny Manziel at 22, and Teddy Bridgewater at 32, even though that was the last pick of the first round. Really, Chad Henney? Uh, Matt Castle, uh, Brian Hoyer, is really these guys are better than what you took in the first round? You're going to go to the playoffs with these guys? So if not to start the season, you're going to have to see this transition very quickly to those guys. With Johnny Manziel specifically, Coach, with Brian Hoyer, they're not actually lighting up the preseason. If you're going to put kind of an over-under on when we see Johnny Manziel, what's your guess at this point in time? You know, that's an interesting one because the one qualifier I will put on it in terms of, and obviously my bias in terms of you starting these guys, I've always felt that's the only way you really learn. You don't learn from the bench. Johnny Manziel, we do have to remember just how young this guy is. So that is a bit of a qualifier. I think it's very interesting that Kyle Shanahan, the new offensive coordinator, just came out of a scenario by way you had a RG3 and everything that he did in terms of what he does down the field. And that didn't go real well in Washington, right? So now he goes to Cleveland. He's got a Brian Hoyer that now is that kind of Kurt Cousins type of guy. And all of a sudden now he's going to be the starter. So I'm going to be interested to see how this develops. Do you think, Coach, I feel like, let's talk about the Jets for a second here, and Geno Smith now going into year two, and he's shown some signs, as he did last year, some ups and downs there. I feel like you do the kid a better service by going with Mike Vick and letting Geno Smith watch from the sidelines if Vick takes off. Great. He's going to disagree with you, Dave. Well, I can tell you, yeah. Coach is going to disagree with you. Uh, but, but from a <laughs> mindset, psychologically, isn't it better for the kid to watch and get to play the hero. The most popular guy in any football town is the backup QB. If Mike Vick throws a bad pick or two early in in week one, Gino then gets to come off the sideline to the roars of approval and gets to play the hero role. Isn't that better for his frame of mind? If you're worried about the psychology of your second-year <laughs> quarterback, you better get your resume up because it's not going to go real well. Uh, let's 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 put it in that scenario. You start with the Michael Vick, and we've got to you got to know right. Michael Vick's going to get hurt at some point. So now you, your team, and let's say you're playing pretty well. Now your team has to rally behind a guy that you're saying wasn't good enough to be the starter because we put Michael Vick in, even though we knew Michael Vick was going to get hurt, maybe turn the ball over a little bit. I think they've got it in just the right scenario. You put Geno Smith in. You give him a chance for this to be his team. You're going to run the ball and play great defense. The key for Geno Smith, if you can be a 20-touchdown, single-digit interception, then life's going to be good. If it doesn't go well, and we know that Rex Ryan is going to have some pressure on him, just like every coach in the NFL, 
Now you can go to a Michael Vick. Now you can go to that guy that can run around and make some things happen. But if you start with Michael Vick and due to injury or lack of playing ability, now you're going to base the rest of the success of your team on the rest of the year on a guy that you said in year two wasn't good enough to start for you. Well, Dave, I want to piggyback on that point. You wanted to see this scenario take place? It is in Tampa, right? You had Glennon last year start some games as a rookie, comes back year two. They say, no, you're going to the bench. We're going to bring in McCown to be the veteran. So we'll get a chance to see your theory. Maybe Glennon will be this popular guy if McCown struggles, and we'll see Glennon I'll ride tell you, on his I, white horse. I do agree with both of you for what little it matters. I do think that you're <laughs> right that a first-round draft pick, of course, I would have Johnny Manziel. I'd have Blake Bortles in there from day one. Geno Smith, though, I worry about uh, where his head's at, you know, especially in that major market like that. I feel like he's maybe a little more fragile than the other guys. Either way, lots of movement this offseason as there is every season in the coaching ranks and uh, and coach I want to take a look here at a board of the new offensive coordinator some guys who moved around a little bit some very recognizable names like you say Kyle Shanahan along with that North Turner and Gary Kubiak now out of Houston up there in Baltimore who jumps out at you there and which coaches of, of these names here do you think has the biggest impact well, the low-hanging fruit is obviously the new coaches that come in with a head coach and a coordinator. You look at North Turner at the top of the list, well-respected quarterback coach, play caller in this league to go with Mike Zimmer. But I think the single biggest impact could be Gary Kubiak uh, for this reason. Obviously, he's an established coach. Remember, Joe Flacco, with all the success they have, Cam Cameron was the offensive coordinator, very, uh, very confident in his abilities. He and Joe never really got along. They had a quarterback coach uh, in Jim Zorn there who had a really close relationship with uh, Joe Flacco. Well, they got rid of him. Well, it didn't go real well with Cam Cameron later on. So Jim Caldwell comes in. Uh, they give uh, uh, Flacco $120 million uh, contract, and all he does is go out and throw a record-high 22 interceptions uh, on, on the one year that Jim Caldwell took over the offense. He now has a guy and a play caller by way of Gary Kubiak. There's no questions about the style of the offense. They went from an up-tempo to a number of different things under Cam Cameron and under Jim Caldwell. Under Gary Gary Kubiak, it's going to be the stretch zone. It's going to be the play action. Plus, you have the added dimension of he's going to have that relationship with Joe Flacco. Gary Kubiak's a guy that played a long time in this league. He's going to have that respect of that eye-to-eye -eye Joe Flacco saying, this guy finally gets me. He was under center in this league. He knows what I'm going through. They're going to have that respect. There's going to be no ambiguity about what the offense is going to be. I think Gary Kubiak in Baltimore could have the biggest effect of any change at coordinator in the league. And as a matter of fact, Coach, uh, to add to that, it seems to me at least that the Ravens are going to make a sea change philosophically on offense. They should be a pass-first team. It seems like the pieces that they have lend itself to that. Yeah, DJ? Well, but that Gary Kubiak scheme has produced big-time yeah. runners. didn't matter who they are. I think their run game will be improved this year. All right, great stuff, Coach. We'll be listening to you and Coach Mariucci all season long on the Coaches Show. Uh, make sure you check that out on iTunes and uh, as well as Coaches Show. Daniel Jeremiah, all the people doing podcasts here. Make sure you look for them on NFL.com and on NFL Now. Get the app ASA and P. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, 
you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.